0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest in California's ban on so-called assault weapons struck down by uh, St. Benitez last week, now... As expected, the uh, state of California uh, has already appealed. In fact, they appealed the uh, very first day, or at least they filed their uh, notice of appeal. Uh, On Monday, we saw the uh, first appellate brief by California Attorney General Rob Bonta asking the Ninth Circuit to grant a stay of Judge Benitez's ruling, a decision that uh, the Ninth Circuit almost certainly will grant because they've done so Virtually every time a gun control law has come before them that's been struck down by a lower court, they've uh, said, hey, 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 hang on, wait a second, let's put that back in place. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do, however, there is something else we need to talk about. Biden's America and the fact that it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. America's working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch me next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call GoldCo. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 company of the year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver wall supplies last. And if you call them today... Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's uh, get to our conversation about uh, the California ban on so-called assault weapons and the defense of that law by California Attorney General Rob Bonta. Uh, There you see the headline again. uh, Bonta filing a motion to stay the district court decision. Limiting California's authority to outlaw assault weapons. Yeah, uh, not not limiting the authority. Saying that the city of California has no authority to ban these commonly owned firearms. Now, reaction to Judge Benitez's decision in the anti-gun state of California, as you can imagine, has been largely hostile. The uh, local paper in uh, Palo Alto, California uh, What uh, what what paper is this called? The uh, uh, the, uh, the the Mountain View Voice uh, had a couple of uh, quotes from Bay Area and uh, Silicon Valley area lawmakers, uh, including the uh, district attorney in San Mateo County, Steve Wagstaff, who, uh, quote, deeply opposed the ruling, saying, quote, I have spent decades watching carnage by criminals using assault weapons on the streets of our state, inflicting incredible pain to the victims and families of victims. It is so disappointing that California's effort to reduce this violence is crushed by one judge's decision. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who championed assault rifle bans, must be looking down from heaven in disgust at this decision. Well, maybe she is. We can't ask her. But I can tell you from Steve Wagstaff's perspective, um, District Attorney, what are the percentage of crimes in San Mateo County involving so-called assault weapons? 2%, 3%? Now, what percentage of violent crimes in which a firearm is used in San Mateo County involve the use of a handgun? 65, 70, 80, 85%? Handguns are the most common gun used in crime. Yet, the Supreme Court has said, handguns are also the most commonly owned firearm for self-defense. So just because it might be the weapon of choice for criminals doesn't mean that it falls outside of the scope of the Second Amendment's protections. It's also, again, commonly owned by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. It is protected by the Second Amendment. The same thing goes for semi-automatic rifles, the the banned assault weapons under California law. Actually, there's one difference. Those guns are used in a handful of violent crimes compared to handguns. And yet again, tens of millions of Americans lawfully possess these firearms for lawful purposes, including, but not limited to, self-defense, hunting, recreational shooting, and because it's my bleepin' right. Now, uh, at least Wagstaff had a little bit of word salad to offer. Santa Clara County Supervisor Joe Simitian said he read the entire 79 page decision, but only could come up with this, I think it's bad law and it's bad policy. Yeah, seventy nine pages. That's that's your entire takeaway, huh? huh. Now we talked about Judge Benita's decision. I wrote about it uh, at bearingarms dot com. But there are a couple of uh, pieces that are worth highlighting. Uh, the judge noted, rightfully so, that quote in the United States, with its long tradition of gun ownership, there are no historical laws prohibiting simple possession of any type of firearm until long after the 1868 adoption of the 14th Amendment. That's too late, he says. The state has identified no national tradition of firearm regulation so broad in its coverage or so far reaching in its effect as its extreme, quote-unquote, assault weapons ban statute. Again, that's important to remember. Under the Bruin test, the Supreme Court said, you got to look at the text, the history, and the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms they kind of left it open as to whether or not 1791 or 1868 was the more applicable time period, the ratification of the Second Amendment versus the ratification of the 14th Amendment. I think 1791 ultimately has to be the prevailing time frame in question. Uh, and Not only, again, if you're looking at the Founders' intent, is 1791 more important? But technically speaking, the Second Amendment wasn't applied to the states, at least in the federal judiciary until the McDonald decision in 2010, right? So you've got this in, a doctrine of uh, selective incorporation where individual rights have sort of been selectively incorporated under the umbrella of the 14th Amendment. But that wasn't done at the time of the ratification of the 14th Amendment. It wasn't until, I believe, the 1920s that you saw the uh, First Amendment uh, included under the 14th Amendment's protections. And again, not until 2010 did the Supreme Court say, hey, you know what, the Second Amendment protects against state infringement as well. So I think you have to look at 1791. But again, Judge Benito says, even if you look at 1868, you're not going to find any type of widespread bans to the scale that you see in California, where an entire class of firearms has been banned. Now, you can argue, okay, look, in in 1868, repeating rifles were still very new. They were very modern. Multi-shot revolvers weren't. And there were no uh, uh, outright bans on multi-shot revolver, even two-shot Derringers, uh, at the time of the founding or at the time of the ratification of the 14th Amendment. Again, those things came later. And under the Bruin test, they come too late to matter. These are modern inventions. Now, Gavin Newsom... Governor of California, you know, he has been on a uh, tear against Judge Benitez for years now, right? Calling him a uh, subsidiary of the uh, gun lobby bought and paid for by the NRA. I don't know how that works with judges, but whatever. You can't just call him an activist judge. I don't even think Judge Benitez is an activist judge. In fact, I'll be honest with you. After reading Judge Benitez's decision in Miller versus Bona, I have no idea what the judge's personal opinion on these types of gun bans might be, whether he thinks they're useful, whether he would uphold these ban. I mean, we guess we know that he wouldn't uphold them under the pre-Bruin standard because he didn't. He's previously ruled that they were unconstitutional. But, again, I don't know if Judge Benitez is a fan of the AR-15, if he would like to see them wiped off the face of the earth. I don't know. And it really doesn't matter. Because Judge Benitez wasn't basing his uh, judicial opinion on his personal opinion. He was basing his judicial determination on a finding of the facts. And the facts, in this case, don't support California's contention that banning the most commonly sold rifle in the country is allowable and acceptable without violating the right to keep and bear arms. Gavin Newsom, um, in his first remarks after Benitez's decision, uh, called his uh, ruling, quote, radical. and said, comparing an assault rifle to a Bowie knife. It's a direct insult to every victim of a mass shooting in their families. Now, what Gavin Newsom apparently is too dumb to realize is that it wasn't Judge Benitez who introduced that analogy. It was California Attorney General Rob Bonta who actually compared AR-15s to Bowie knives and said, look, I mean, there were 18th century or 19th century bans on Bowie knives, right? And Bowie knives were uh, uh, deemed uh, not to have any redeeming value. Uh, they were uh, used offensively. They weren't used defensively. So, uh, yeah, they could be banned. So, if you could ban a Bowie knife in the ni- uh, 19th century, why can't you ban? Not, not why can't you? You should be able to ban AR-15s in the 21st century. It was Banta. Who raised that argument? And as the uh, firearms policy coalition pointed out on uh, X slash uh, Twitter, despite multiple anti-gun politicians, including Gavin Newsom, criticizing the judge for comparing guns to knives, the attorney general has chosen to argue that the judge didn't sufficiently consider how knife laws can provide historical support for gun laws. That's right. In Bonta's request to the Ninth Circuit for a stay of Judge Medina's decision, he once again brings up knife laws from the 19th century. There you go. That's the, uh, the, the quote here. Uh, that tradition is reflected in the history presented to the district court below, including regulations enacted in the 18th and 19th centuries, barring the use of trap guns, the possession and carrying of fighting knives and other weapons, and the concealed carry of dangerous weapons. Yeah, again, once again, Bringing a uh, knife argument to a uh, legal gunfight, I guess. That's what the Attorney General is doing. Um, Now, what's going to happen with the Ninth Circuit? Well, if the past is any prologue, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, the Ninth Circuit is going to grant that stay. Uh, The real question is going to be whether or not the Ninth Circuit goes the standard route of a uh, three judge. Appellate panel um, uh, guiding the, uh, the the appeals process, and then going on banc, uh, or whether the Ninth Circuit will do what it uh, did with the uh, Duncan case, the magazine ban case, not long ago, um, and sidestep that three judge panel because they knew that the three judge panel was going to side in favor of the plaintiffs and take it directly to an en banc review in order to get the desired. Opinion from the Ninth Circuit. Not once, not once since the Heller decision was handed down in 2008, 15 years ago, not once has the Ninth Circuit ever found a gun law to be unconstitutional. Now, you've had trial judges in the Ninth Circuit, like Judge Benitez, that have found various laws unconstitutional. You've had three judge panels in the Ninth Circuit that have found gun control laws to be unconstitutional. But in every one of those cases, those decisions are reviewed en banc, and that en banc panel reverses the lower court decision, reverses the decision by a three-judge panel, and upholds the gun control law in question every single flippin' time. But justice is blind, right? I mean, in the Ninth circuit, I think it's peaking. But, uh, yeah, justice is blind. So I expect we're going to see the same thing here with the Ninth Circuit. I think they will grant the stay. Don't know if they'll do a three-judge panel or if they will uh, uh, go full-on bonk. I suspect they're going to try to play those same games and go uh, full-on bonk. But uh, given the dissents in Duncan over that decision and calling out the court for, uh, well, bending its own rules at the very least, breaking uh, its own rules, according to uh, the dissenting opinion from Judge Van Dyke. Uh, that that could be a more complicated question. And I don't, I don't know that we actually have a, a good read on what the Ninth Circuit is going to do, well, on how the Ninth Circuit is going to grant Bonta's stay. Uh, one thing is for sure, however, with the Supreme Court already granting, vacating, and remanding this case back to uh, uh, the Ninth Circuit, after the Bruin decision was handed down, the court has already signaled it is interested in this issue. It is interested in this case. Now, it could be that Miller's not the first case to get to the Supreme Court. We still have this case out of the Fourth Circuit, uh, Bianchi versus Jones now. It used to be Bianchi versus Frost, but we've got a new attorney general. Oral arguments in that case were held almost a year ago, held in December of 2022. We've been waiting for that Fourth Circuit decision ever since. Now, the Fourth Circuit could kick the case back down to a trial court, or it could decide the case on the merits. It, it Based on the oral arguments, it sounded like the Fourth Circuit panel was ready to decide the case on the merits. But again, we haven't seen a decision. And if they do kick that case back down to the trial court judge, well, then that resets the clock. And then I would say Miller is the most likely uh, uh, case to get to the Supreme Court first. But again, all of this is up in the air. As I, I think anti-gun judges are trying to play keep away from the Supreme Court uh, with these cases as much as possible. They want to delay, delay, delay until um, hopefully from their perspective, there is a change in the makeup of the court. You you don't have six votes in favor of the uh, individual right to keep and bear arms. Uh, and they uh, believe that if they can you know hold off until maybe after the 2024 elections, get a retirement or two, maybe uh, Democrats pack the court, Um, then it'll be a much more favorable ground for gun control activists going forward. Whether or not we'll be successful in playing keep away from the court is another question for another uh, Cam and Company entirely. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will uh, start there with a, excuse me, sorry, I have a little problem with my computer. There we go, with a a case out of Illinois. Man in uh, Champaign, Illinois, already on probation, arrested in a fight at Urbana Parking Garage. Now, this is not necessarily a a headline-grabbing story, although it did make the local paper there in uh, Champaign, Illinois. What's interesting about this case, again, is the, I I think, the commonality of it. Crimes like these are committed by suspects like these on a daily basis, and we rarely hear about it because they don't generally rise to the level of violence that's going to make the front page of the paper. Um, Zachary Overman, 30 years of age, no address listed, so we don't know if uh, he is uh, unhoused or uh, he just didn't provide a uh, address to officers. Charged money with aggravated battery in an incident over the weekend in a parking garage in downtown Urbana. Assistant State's Attorney Dan Taylor said Overman allegedly got into a fight with a man on Sunday. He struck him in the back of the head. Urbana police said Overman appeared intoxicated. Now, at the time, Overman was on conditional release ahead of his trial on charges of allegedly fighting and taking the wallet of another man on October the 6th in Urbana. So just a couple of weeks ago. Court records show he is also currently on probation for resisting a peace officer. He has other convictions for domestic battery, assault, aggravated battery, obstructing a peace officer, and theft. So the question I have is, given the laundry list of convictions that Mr. Overman was facing, why was he just released on conditional release? Again, no I, I guess part of the Safety Act right now, cash bail is a thing of the past in Illinois. Uh, at least for the vast majority of uh, criminal offenses. So prosecutors or the judge may not have even had a choice at this point. You've, you've got a repeat offender who shows up for the umpteenth time, but the state has tied the judge's hands. Even if the judge says, yeah, you know what, I think you're a danger to the community, and we need to keep you behind bars at least with a high amount of bail. Maybe this isn't appropriate to have a no-bail case, uh, given that it, this was you know fighting a relatively minor crime. But gee, many Christmas, how many times are you going to show up here in court so I want to... Want to make sure you understand the seriousness of what you're doing here? You can't. That's not allowed. The Illinois Democrats again, while going after law-abiding gun owners, have enshrined this rinse and repeat process in the criminal justice system, where the same faces appear time and time and time again, and nothing really happens. Again, put on probation. You're arrested. You're allowed to bail out, just conditional release. I'll give you you my word. I'll show up in court. Whether or not that happens, doesn't matter. While you're out on conditional release, you get arrested again, and then you're quickly put back, back on the streets. This is a recipe for high crime rates. This is a recipe for recidivism. And again, Democrats are the cooks in the kitchen in the Illinois state legislature. They're the ones who have uh, served up this steaming plate of garbage to their citizens. And unfortunately, the citizens keep eating it up. They could vote for a change. They could vote to do something else. But uh, so far, they voted to keep this broken system in place. Today's Armed Citizen story from uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, where a homeowner shot and killed an intruder. The uh, Wake Forest PD uh, launching its third shooting investigation in six days. Two, however, of those three cases involve either self-defense or defense of others. Uh, according to ABC 11 in Raleigh, North Carolina, most recently, homeowners shot and killed an intruder at their home early Monday morning. Police say it was about 3.20 a.m., 34-year-old Stephen Contestable of Raleigh, North Carolina, attempted to break into the home and he was confronted by a homeowner. According to a press release from the Wake Forest Police Department, the homeowner gave repeated warnings, don't come inside, before he shot Contestable, who uh, police say had broken several panes of glass while trying to break into the home. Contestable passed away from his injuries. The homeowner has not been charged with any crime. Uh, Now, I I, I take issue with the way that this was reported by uh, WTVD. They say um, the Wake Forest Police Department said this was just the latest in a string of gun violence over the last week. Now, this wasn't I, I, if this is your definition of gun violence, a justifiable homicide, then you've just rendered that phrase absolutely meaningless. One of the other incidents, though, the Wake Forest police are uh, investigating, was a uh, incident that happened on Saturday. Uh, shooting in a parking lot at a grocery store. Two people told officers that a man identified as Mirza Zukanovic. Shot of them following a domestic-related altercation. A bystander, who was also a concealed carry holder, saw what was going on, drew his handgun, and fired at Zukanovic, who then uh, fled the scene. Thankfully, the uh, Zukanovic's uh, alleged intended victims were unharmed here because of the fact that again there was an armed citizen there who was able to intervene and to stop that attack. After Zekanovic fled, officers uh, responded to a crash involving Zekanovic uh, a short distance away. He was taken into custody, charged with two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, discharging a firearm in the city limits, driving while impaired, no operator's license, failure to wear a seatbelt, and a failure to maintain lane control. Uh, what's fascinating about this, again, you've got three incidents in six days, two of which involved defensive gun uses. Liz Arnold, the community outreach chair for the Wake County chapter of Moms Demand Action, says, I think the fact that these incidents that were basically right next door, a lot of people are talking about that, and a lot of people are becoming aware that more guns doesn't necessarily make us safer, and we need to address that situation. Now, Liz, sounds to me like the presence of firearms in two of these three incidents made the situation safer for the intended victims. Who knows what would have happened had that intruder gotten in the home? Who knows what would have happened if the can it not been met? With an armed citizen who is uh, returning fire to protect innocent lives. I mean, you, <laughs> I know that gun control advocates are loath to ever, even though they say, oh, I'm not opposed to gun ownership. I, I have nothing against the Second Amendment. I just cannot acknowledge a defensive gun use that saved lives. That seems to be the case here for uh, Liz Arnold with the Wake County chapter of Moms Demand Action. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a pair of Port St. Lucie police officers and a uh, alert citizen who helped save an 81-year-old man who was uh, caught in a sinking car. There's uh, one of the officers in question as well as the uh, alert uh, armed citizen who, or the alert citizen, not armed citizen, but the alert citizen who uh, came to that 81-year-old's uh, aid. Officer Joseph Rathnan. Just starting to shift on Saturday afternoon when he got a call for service of a motor vehicle crash. So there was a vehicle in the pond. Flashers were on. There was an elderly man inside that appeared to be in distress. Noberto Garcia was driving home from lunch with his wife and three kids when he saw what was going on. And he stopped to help. He saw the officers, uh, both uh, Rathnaman and uh, Officer Natalie Mastrangiola, uh, who were in the water at that point, uh, waiting out to the car to uh, get to that man inside. Uh, Garcia said he was banging on the window to help him out, to get him out. While we were getting ready to jump in. Uh, Rescue crews raced into the scene. Uh, Garcia's kids inside the car heard on Dash Game video calling their father a hero. He said his children were yelling at him not to go into the water because there were alligators. He said, I didn't think about gators or anything. It was just instinct. Uh, They were saying, uh, you're a hero today. Rathnam was uh, also asked if he was concerned about uh, gators in the pond. He says, I wasn't worried about gators. I was much concerned about getting that man out safely as was everybody else on scene. So once they broke the window, with the help of Garcia, they were able to remove the victim from the vehicle. The victim uh, catching up with the officers uh, this week, saying he was thankful for everybody's help and is alive today because of them. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, despite the possibility of getting bitten by an alligator. Officer uh, Joseph Rathnam, Officer Natalie Mastrangiola, and alert citizen Norberto Garcia, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Berrien Arms, Cam & Company. Coming up on Wednesday's program, we're going to be talking with Michael Schwartz from the San Diego uh, County Gun Owners Association, or San Diego County Gun Owners Pack, I guess. Um, San Diego supervisors voting today on whether or not to endorse Gavin Newsom's proposed gun control constitutional amendment. Now, The vote itself is entirely symbolic, but uh, again, it's a sign of where the San Diego County Supervisors are. Uh, And that, of course, is going to have an impact on what they try to do to and for gun owners in the area. So we'll be talking about that vote with the Michael Schwartz on Wednesdays, Cam and Company. Also, don't forget, on Wednesdays, I do my uh, weekly VIP Gold live chat with Hot Air's Ed Morrissey. It is always a great time. I would love for you to be a part of it. All you have to do is become a VIP gold member. Just go to barringarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code gun rights and you can get any significant savings on your VIP gold membership or just your VIP membership for Bearing Arms. Either way, you're going to get exclusive news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else. If you're a VIP gold member. You're going to get that across the town hall media family of uh, websites, all kinds of great live chat events, not only with Ed Morrissey and myself, but Stephen Green, Stephen Cruiser, uh, some great folks. Again, I'd encourage you to check that out, barryandarms.com slash subscribe. We'll see you back here tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.